Hmm? Are you strapped in tight? Because it's a new year, right? And the energy that I had on Wednesday, the energy that I had in Sunday school today, the energy that I plan to bring today, and y'all know how it is. I already have too much energy, right? Definitely too much. Man, but the Lord has had some things on my heart, and I am planning to attack 2020 with a vengeance. So you got to strap in, because we're going to talk about some things that I'm going to do, even though it's a new year, the same me and the element of, I'm planning to be all up in your business, to step all up on your toes, and get us all to think about how we can grow closer to the Lord. Amen? We are continuing in our Beatitude series, right? The mini-series that we have on, on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're going to talk, um, talk about this today. And I'm excited as we continue. I'm in the second part of what I have been calling our Hunger Games series. Our Hunger Games series. Um, if you will turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're at in this Beatitude series. And uh, I had an epiphany. I had this whole thing kind of mapped out, and I was kind of just saying, like, man, um, what is the cause? What is the cause for this? What is the cause for, for the verse we're going to talk about today? But in verse 1, it says this, um, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And verse 6 has been our theme verse for a couple of weeks, and it's, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I was thinking, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I was like, what makes someone hungry? Like, a lot of times you'll say, well, it's your appetite. It's your physical need for nourishment, right? But as far as it, as far as it pertains to spiritual nourishment, as far as it pertains to hungering and thirsting after righteousness, to hunger and thirst after God, to have fresh fire after him, to be salt and light to the world, there is one thing that I realize that is needed that is completely foundational, or Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, will not, will not pertain to anyone else. It won't work. You'll never hunger and thirst after righteousness if you don't lack this one key ingredient, this one foundational thing that you need in order to have the kind of walk with God that you need to, to pursue the righteousness with the fervor that you need in order to properly be fulfilled. It, means, it needs one thing. It's love. It's love. I was sitting there trying to figure out what fuels it, and the answer, to, the answer hit me like a ton of bricks. It was love. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the purpose of doing things makes a dynamic shift. It goes from uh, something that, you know, definitely looms over both Testaments, but it's something that transcends from Old to New Testament, and the purpose of switching them significantly. In the Old Testament, it was largely do this or die. 
lest ye die. The whole, if you read the Old Testament, you'll find out that the Old Testament is providing laws and rules and regulations with no hope for, uh, with no hope for redemption, with no hope to properly see those things fulfilled, with no hope of, of what happens in, in, in doing this. It was either doing this because you're supposed to do it, and if you don't, you'll die, and that was it. But the New Testament kind of switches gears. The New Testament says, you still should do these things, but do them because you love me. You do them because you love me. I don't know about you, but that's a huge shift. Because the first one was death, and not, the second one was life, and life with your choice to have so. It was no either or. It was no, it's like, hey, I'm going to let you know but that this is the way that I had it set up to be. And this new covenant that I bring to you is the premise behind how you are going to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because I don't know about you, but Xavier Small hungers and thirsts after righteousness. I, 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 my biggest, my sole desire, better than being a great husband to Kalea or being a great father to my future children someday or being a good pastor to this church, my biggest desire in life is for God to stand there when I, to look at me when I stand before him someday and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. My greatest desire is for God to continually say, man, that's my son right there knocking it out of the park. My greatest desire is for me to get that spiritual gold star on heaven's fridge that says, Xavier, you did a great job. That's my goal. And I'm sure that's many of your goals also. But what we find out is that the hunger and the thirst is something that will wane if you do not keep constant maintenance on it. It'll wane. It'll falter. And in order to pursue that righteousness, you need a very huge key ingredient. And that is love. It's the first commandment with promise to love the Lord with our God with all you've got. And if you don't love him, there's no way to grow in him. There's no way that you will be able to, to get close to him. There's no way to be more like him. And that's why I love David so much. Because David is a proper example of what it's like to be a human Christian. To be a human being. To fall and to struggle and to falter and to fall short. But one thing that David was, is as constantly doing is pursuing God and being after his heart and Lord against thee and thee only have I sinned and he constantly placed himself into the subjection of God and say God I messed up but I can't stand for you to be apart from me I long for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is and God I need to have you close to me or else I die that's my mission that's my mission that's why I started a new 2020 ritual where I wake up in the morning take a shower brush my teeth grab my dog, take it to the dog park, and in the middle of just the gorgeous morning, sit there with my Bible open and spend time with the Lord and spend time in prayer, fighting to give God the first fruits of my life before I even start my day. Get up and get in the Word and get that armor on so that you can live victorious Christian life and learn to not only do that but to edify others and to pour into your brothers that are struggling and to pour into the other people that need the growth and admonition of the Lord as well. And my goal has been to be in a constant pursuit of him because I know that if I am not hungry for the righteousness, it'll falter. It'll wane. And the old Xavier Small that keeps trying to raise his ugly head every single day will be able to pierce through that soil and make and plant his seed. And I don't want that. I don't want that for my life. And I know that you don't want that for yours. But what's the, what's the, what's the key to it? I'm going to try to slow down, y'all. I'm excited. The key to it is love. 
And if you do not love the Lord, you will not, listen to me, you will not ever achieve the kind of walk that you want. You won't even come close. We're going to break this down a little bit after we pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and for your son and for sending him to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, I pray that you would just use me. Speak to the church the way that you spoke to me, Lord, and we'll give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray and we're thankful. Amen. Flip over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. On the first half of the Hunger Games, we were just kind of talking about why people don't why people don't come to the Lord, why they, don't, why they aren't sold out. And we talked about a whole, uh, a whole bunch of stuff. But now I want to talk to you today about that root, that foundational element that you need in order to live that victorious Christian life. We're going to break it down. What do we need to know? Look at verse 15 of John chapter 14. Verse 15 of John chapter 14. It says this. If ye love me, finish it, church. Keep my commandments. Number one, if you're a note-taking person, love is rooted in action. Love is rooted in action. If you tell someone you love them, what's going to be their follow-up response? What if they've heard it before? Or if someone has told them that they love them, but they didn't, uh, they didn't, uh, they reneged on it, or maybe they got hurt in the middle of it. If you tell someone you love them, their follow-up response many times is going to be one phrase. Prove it. If you love me, show me. It has always been a foundational element that love always requires action. It always requires action. It is rooted in action. The embodiment of the word means action. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'm not going to threaten you with death. I'm not going to threaten you with looming doom or looming punishment because that was the old law. And now you are under grace and there's a new law that I bestow unto you. And it's one of love and it's one of grace. But now I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to take your shackles off of your hands. I'm going to take your shackles off of your feet. I'm going to remove the looming doom because you're already in me. Now what's going to require of you in your walk is for you to love me because you want to. When there is no pressure on you, when there are no shackles, you're going, I need you to love me because you want to love me. If you read your Bible, you'll find out that the way that God sets things up continually loops just in different time frames. This is the same thing that God had in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to bestow choice upon you, but here's going to be the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Don't eat of it. Here's your choice to love me. We blew it. And then the law came and the punishment that came by the law and death by sin, right? And then there comes a miraculous man named Jesus Christ who comes and dies on the cross for our sins and says that you are no more under condemnation and there is no more bondage. But now that you are free, you are now free to love me again with your choices. Of course, of course, the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit equals death. It equals destruction. It equals, it equals a, a life set apart from hell. But, as I, a, a hell. but as I talk to a group of believers, he now says, I want you to love me because you want to. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, then show me. If you love me, then show me. Love me because you want to. What a way to show it. The pursuit and hunger after righteousness. Righteousness is defined as equity of a character or act. Fairness, justice, or impartiality. It can also be defined as the quality of being morally right. 
Did you ever consider the fact that Christ is not just someone who has righteous tendencies, but that Jesus Christ himself is the embodiment of righteousness? Did you hear me? Jesus Christ is not someone who just has righteous tendencies. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of righteousness itself. Romans chapter 4 lets us know that righteousness is imputed unto us. That when you stand before God someday and he lets you into those pearly gates, it is not because you were ever good enough. It was because he had to send his son as the sacrificial lamb and slay his blood all over you in order for you to walk through the, those gates uncentered. It is the righteousness of Christ in us, not yours. He embodies it. So this is how it comes around full circle. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. If Jesus Christ is the literal embodiment of righteousness, then to be in pursuit of righteousness is to be in pursuit of God. It's to be in pursuit of Christ. But what does it take for you to love him? Do you see how that makes sense, church? How that comes around full circle, church? To be in pursuit of righteousness. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And when you are filled with the righteousness, who are you actually being filled with? Someone talk to me. Oh my gosh, it's like you're listening. That's it. When you are finally filled with the righteousness, because that's a promise, right? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they may be filled. Is that what it says? Potentially filled. Partially filled. Maybe a little bit filled. No, they shall be filled. That's a promise. And last time I checked, the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 that I am the Lord, I change not. And so if he made a promise to you that if you hunger and thirst after it, you will be filled. You are not just being filled with righteousness, you're being filled with Jesus. You're being filled with Christ. How can you be filled with something that you do not love? Hungering and thirsting after righteousness, righteousness is going to require you to have a love unlike anything before. I love my wife, but there is someone that I love more than her, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this ministry, but there is something that I love more than this ministry, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I love people, but there is something that I love more than people, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, I love Xavier Small. Finally, after 25 years, it took me to finally love myself as someone that I love more than that, and it's Jesus. You know why? Because he is someone that fills above any other the ultimate thirst quencher the vessel you can drink from with no cracks in it the springs of living water shall i go on church because you got to understand that being in active pursuit of god and that's why when you read your bible it's more than just reading a few words on a page you have to read it and see what it's actually saying to be in hunger and thirsting after righteousness is actually to be hungering and thirsting after me you gotta love me to do so and love is, love is more than just saying, Lord, I love you. I said it last week. Your walk walks and your talk talks, but does your walk walk like your talk talks? You got to walk that life. Walk in the, it doesn't say talk in the spirit. It says walk in the spirit. It doesn't say talk in the light. It says walk in the light as he is in the light. You have to show that your actions, your actions have to show that your love for Christ is genuine. It's more than just getting up on a Sunday. It's more than just getting up on a Wednesday. It's more than just cracking your Bible open every once in a while. It's more than just praying to God every once in a blue moon. It's active every single day. Pursuit after God. The word pursuit means to be relentlessly after. Relentlessly after. With little possibility to be stopped. It has the idea of a runaway train. It has the idea of being in, in a hot chase after something to be zealous over. Many of us are just casual Christians, and that's not going to cut it. It's 2020. 
Many of y'all have been saved for years and years and years and tens of years. Many of y'all have been Christians longer than I've been alive. And why is your walk still casual? Why is your walk still talk? Why does your walk lack action? There is no way to hunger and thirst after righteousness if there is no action. What are you doing to prove it? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness requires you to be an active pursuit of God. We pursue it because we love him. Actions speak louder than words. Number one, love is rooted in action. Number two, look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comfort, or capital C, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. I will not leave uh, with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Number two, God's love embodies action. So love requires, love is rooted in action, number one. Number two, God's love embodies action. God does as he has always done in the past, which has set the precedent for how things should be. He set the precedent for how things should be how it should be done it wasn't enough for him to send his only begotten son he had to make sure we didn't feel alone either so he sends the comforter imagine this imagine a criminal coming into your house and robbing you for every single thing that you have and then what happens is you he does that and he and he ends up taking all all the things that belong to you and then what do you do while he's in prison you go and sit with him every single day to keep him company that's chaos that's insanity, isn't it? Think about that. Think about someone coming in and taking the most precious thing that you could ever have from you. Imagine someone raising up to completely destroy your entire life, and while they pay the death sentence for what they did, you sit with them in prison every single day to make sure they don't feel alone. Imagine God having to bankrupt heaven for the very same people who will put his son on the cross. And then sending the second part, the third part of, of the Trinity to go and keep them company forever until they can dwell with God again. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I mean, if love embodies action and, lo- and, 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 action, and action is required to properly show love and God's love embodies the action, then that's the perfect example for how we should do it. The Holy Spirit which abides with us forever. An an exclusive gift. Look what he says that the world does not have or can't see. Who doesn't just dwell with you. He dwells in you. I want you to see that love has always been fortified by action. It's a testament to how truly ungrateful we are. How truly ungrateful we are. Again, God bankrupting heaven for us. Sending his spirit to dwell in and with us. And how much could he do? I mean, what about supplying your every need? Y'all realize how spoiled you are? How spoiled I am? 
when what we really deserve, which is wild, because people say, look at how life is for me. Life isn't fair. This isn't fair. You know what's fair? An eternal hell separated from God. That's fair. God is just enough, because God is not the one who fell. We were. And he could have let us follow our father, our father Adam into a great devil's pit, and he didn't. And he didn't. So how much more could he do? Then he comes and he supplies our every need and even so many of our wants. Then he prepares a place for us so when we pass from this life or the next, we can, we can w- dwell with him in eternity, ordain a path for you, make you great in his eyes. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You waking up today is a testament of how much God loves you and the almighty God of the universe asks one simple request after he gave up every, everything in heaven for you, after he turned the back on his only begotten son, after he's given you all of your needs, after he's provided for you over and over and over for you, after he's prepared a place for you so when you pass, you can go dwell with him as he continues to give for you over and over and over, something that actually, in reality, is something that you could never in a million lifetimes afford. He asks one thing from you, one thing. He says, love me back. I've given you everything, literally everything. I literally gave you myself, and I died for you. I gave you everything, and I'm not going to ask you for a, for a monetary number. I'm not going to ask you for some camels or for you for, for some sheep. I'm not going to ask you for some, for some gold or some silver or for your best garment. I'm not asking you to give your whole house to me. I'm not asking you to even lay down your life for me. What I'm asking you to do is to love me for the love that I gave you to absolutely be reciprocated. And many of us step on and we walk on and we trample over and we ignore and we just deject the love that God gives us. And then we wonder why we live this life the way that we live it when the love that was supposed to come and fill the void of all voids, we cast away. The truth is you don't love him back. You say you do, but the truth is that you don't love him back. Because if you love them back, what would you do? Someone tell me, what would you do? Yeah. You'd keep his commandments. You'd show them. He said, I want, look, ladies, I don't mean to get myself in a dog hole because I think I'm doing good right now, but I'm going to try it. So we'll see what happens. Women sometimes are difficult. It's hard to know what you want from us. It's hard to know. Men, can you testify? Y'all left me hanging? Wow. Hard to know. Thank you, Brother Jelani. I appreciate you. I mean, it was quietly, but you, you still you, you took up for me. I appreciate that. Thank you. He was <laughs> On a serious note, God says, I want you to love me back. And you, know, you have things like love languages. You ever heard of love languages? Quality time, special gifts, words of affirmation, all those different things. It lets you know how people would like to be loved on so that you can love on them effectively. God says, I'm going to tell you how you can show me that you love me. How I can feel loved by you. I can, I can tell you how I want it. This is, all you have to do is just, just listen to these examples. All I want you to do is one thing. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. That the life that you now live is not henceforth lived to yourself but for the one who died for you. I beseech thee by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, the least you can do for me after I literally gave you everything is at least attempt to mirror what I did for you, which is love you. 
Now, saints, I want, and this is how this applies to you today. How well have you been showing God that you love him? If love requires action, and God embodies action, and you need love in order to properly pursue righteousness, how have you been showing it? Have you at all? You ever give someone instructions and they did everything except for what you wanted them to do? You ever seen that happen? It's like hiring like a kid to watch your house for you like while you're away and you're just like, all I need you to do is to just, uh, or even your kids, you know what I'm saying? All I need you to do is just, uh, just clean your room. Just clean your room. And you get home and you're like, and you're like hey mom, how are you? And you're like, okay, um, is your room clean? Mom, I cleaned the garage today. I took the trash out. I washed the dishes. I did the laundry. Mom, I painted the house. I, I, I edged the lawn. I put, man, I was in the garden and helping you plant some new, some, new, uh, some new fruit and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, man, that's so great and I'm so thankful for it. But did you clean your room? And many times that's exactly how we live the Christian life. Doing every single thing except what God asked us to do. Do you realize that if you do not love God, that every, every single other action that you do in his name is vain? Do you realize that? If you are sitting in church today out of obligation versus because you want to hear from the Lord and because you love him, because you want to be in pursuit of righteousness, that was not the right reason to be here today. I'm glad you're here, but that wasn't the right reason. If you're doing services around this place or in the community, and the reason why you're doing it is not because it's an active pursuit or love of God, it was not the right reason. I want to take care of the community, yeah, but that's a byproduct of what the bigger reason was, which is to love your neighbor, which is the second commandment with promise. The first one is to love the Lord as yourself, and the second is likewise unto itself. It all works together. And we find ourselves doing all the other stuff except what God wants you to do. So God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set the standard for what love looks like. And so I'm going to love you the best way I know how, which is to give you my literal self. And all you have to do is to try to love me back. Spend your life trying to match it. Spend your life trying to pursue it. By the way, God has an agape love, right? And that's, that's a Greek um, that the, the Greek word, a Greek word for love, agape, which is a, an unchanging, unwavering, self-sacrificial, selfless kind of love that none of us could ever match because God embodied that by dying on the cross for us. But he says, what I want you to do is I want you to try to seek and to be pursued of it as much as I can, as much as you can. That's why you're called Christians. You know what the word Christian means? The word Christian broken down means Christ one or Christ follower. That, is, that embodies the same kind of person who embodies what Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, which is to take up your cross daily and, fo and follow me, to crucify the flesh daily. That is a Christian. You can be saved and not be a Christian. Christian means that you are in active pursuit or following after Christ. Saved means you got your get out of hell free card. Saved and Christian are not synonymous. People think they are, and they're not. You can be saved and not be a Christian. Saved is the action of receiving him as your savior. Christian means you're actually following him. Many people voted me in to be your pastor. That doesn't mean that everyone is going to follow me. You see, the, you see, the, you see, this, you see what I'm saying? You received me, but did you follow? 
did you allow me to lead? On a much, 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 much grander scale, it's the same way that it works with being a Christian. And that's the, the, literally being a Christian is just loving him back. Spending every single day saying, I love him, so I will do X. I love him, so I will do Y. I love him, so I will do Z. The variables change from day to day. But you're going to have to decide if you really are in hungering or pursuit after righteousness, it's going to require love. And if love is the requirement, you're going to have to show it. Because number one, love is rooted in action. Number two, God's love embodies action. Number three, look at verse 24. Verse 24 of the same chapter. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. It's very clear and simple. If you don't love him, you won't keep his commandments. He supports his words by saying that they're not even his, that they're God's words. Now, in this, in this passage right now, Jesus Christ is preparing his disciples for what? His death, right? He's letting them know that I'm going to pass, and I'm going to send my comforter unto you. But most importantly, more than my death, more than the fact that the comforter is coming to me, coming unto you, the most that he spends his time on this portion of the chapter is saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love God, keep his commandments. He will, he will bring the comforter unto you, and he'll show you the things that you're supposed to do and the, and the way that you're supposed to be. If you love him, you'll keep his words. If you love him, you do not. I would argue that we focus so much on what God thinks about the big things that we take no account for the small stuff. For the small stuff. Like, for instance, many of y'all are in church today. Hey, good to see y'all today. But you know there was a bunch of little steps that got you to church today? You had to not snooze your alarm. Right? You had to get up. Take a shower, brush your teeth, iron your clothes, get the kids prepped if you have them, have breakfast, have your coffee, read the paper, find your keys. I never can do that. Find your keys, get in your car, drive to church, park, take the keys out of the ignition, put the keys in your purse, walk into the building, sit down where you're at church. You didn't think about all that, did you? You just got up and went to church. Do you see how we overlook so many of the small details? How for many of us, one of those small details being out of place would have stopped us from being here today? But if you look around, probably many of us is what happened. There are people all over the country and all over the world who intended to go to church today. But one of those small details was out of place, and it stopped them. And it stopped them. That's because there is more detail in the small things than we give credit for. And love is not just a big, giant word that we lobby around like a volleyball. Love is something that we actually demonstrate in a bunch of little ways. So that when you step back and you scope and you pan out, it looks big. But it's a bunch of small stuff. He says simply, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the words which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. If you love me, it's simple. You'll do what I don't need you to do. And if you don't, then you won't. Everything reflects on your walk or it dejects. 
I'm not here to make you self-conscious. Because some people will walk out of here and they'll be like, oh, I, I ate this bread without praying for it. Oh my gosh, I don't love God. That's not my, that's not my point. My point is not to make you self-conscious. My point is to make you Christ-conscious. To make you Christ-conscious. Because I say it all the time. The Bible wants us to know that God wants us to love us with all of his heart. But doing the right thing is not just coming to church today. It's just doing what you know to do. You love God by your everyday actions and thinking about how you're consciously living your life. Many of us, if, Clay, did you notice that I, I got down on all? Uh, what's that, that road today? Overlord? Overwatch? What's it called? Brother Mike, that road, what's it called? Overland? Oh, it's close. Overland? I took that road on purpose today. You know why I took that road on purpose today? Because I take the same route to church every single day. I get in my car. I drive down Moss Road. I take a right on Murphy. I take a left. I take a right on Seminola. I take a left again on, what's that road, babe? Button? Not Button. What's that road? By the Publix. Yeah. I don't know the name of that road. I just turn on it. Right? On that road, whatever it's called. Then I take a left on the 434, on the 1792. I take 1792 about 3.5 miles down the road, and then I take a, a right onto 414. I take 414 all the way down to Orange Blossom Trail. I take a right onto Orange Blossom Trail, usually onto, uh, what's that road called? By the McDonald's? Huh? Onto Rose Boulevard. I usually take Rose Boulevard all the way down to Claire Kona Okoe, take a right onto Claire Kona Okoe, take a left on the Powers Drive, and here I am at church. I just gave you my entire map to my entire map here. That's what I take every single day. And a lot of times, which is kind of dangerous, I kind of get to church, I'm like, oh, I'm here. Because I've driven the same thing for five years, and so I'm here. It's easy. So you know what happened to make me more conscious of where I was at? I knew I was coming up on, I knew I was coming up on Overland, Overland Drive, and so I slowed down, turned my turn signal on, I took a ride on Overland. Overland took me to Pine Hills Drive. I took a left on Pine Hills Drive. I took a right on Clericona Okoe. But I was conscious of me doing it versus just driving on autopilot. Many of us drive on autopilot so we miss all the small details that encompass our walk with God. You, you follow me, church? Don't be more self-conscious of what you're doing. Be more Christ-conscious. Because as you do that, it'll show you that it's quite simple you love him or you don't. You keep his commandments or you don't. Your actions will prove, number three was your actions will prove your love or a lack thereof. Your actions will prove your love or a lack thereof. It is only after you've practiced honoring God with your little intentions that is reflected on your big ones. When you no longer have to think about your little decisions because it is now nature to honor him in it. Are you pursuing God? We can't hunger and thirst after righteousness if we haven't become fully infatuated with Jesus. That's abiding in obligation, not abiding in love. If you want to hunger and thirst after righteousness, you have to hunger or you have to love him. Excuse me. You have to taste and see that he is good. And once you do, you'll finally realize that you will desire more of him than you ever had before. That is how you hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's not just something you say. 
hungering after righteousness and thirsting after righteousness is something that you do. But love has to be the foundational element. If love is not the foundational element, you will never, listen to me, never hunger and thirst after righteousness. You'll never. You'll casually stumble across it from time to time. You'll wake up in the morning with extra energy once in a while and get to church. You'll walk past your Bible and say, oh, I haven't read that in a while. Let me open it. You'll dig your spiritual phone out of the garage and call God just because you stumbled, apro- you stumbled across it. The key, the key for 2020 is going to be intentional Christian living and being on the offense in your faith. If you really want to be blessed in the element of being filled with the righteousness that you pursue, it all begins with whether or not you love God. Because number one, love requires action. Because number two, God's love embodies action. Number three, your love will show, you either show that you love God or that there's a lack of it. And like it's been for the eternity past, it's your move. What are you going to do? Let's pray.